Shabbat Shalom. I've entitled this teaching, The Torah and the Spirit. This is all about Shavuot, or if you want to use the Greek term, Pentecost. It memorializes the gift of the Holy Spirit and the Torah as a way of life for the redeemed. On this annual festival that's coming next week, generally speaking, rabbinic Jews celebrate the giving of the Torah and Christians celebrate the giving of the Spirit. However, Messianic Jews and Messianic Gentiles commemorate both. As a result, we have a gospel that not only saves, but transforms a person's life. Being born again is the beginning, not the end of the journey. It's the beginning. So we'll pick this up today and, and uh, explore this and discover all that God has for us in this rich plan of salvation that's coming to us through Israel and the Messiah to all the nations. Pentecost, our first slide. Pentecost is a reminder of three things, primarily. Number one, who we are. Number two, our mission. And number three, our way of life. So let's unpack this. Let's talk about who we are. Let's talk about identity issues. Because who you think you are frames how you live your life. How you view yourself indiv individually and as a corporate body determines how you see things and how you live your life. Identity is everything. So who are we? In Yeshua, the Messiah, number one, we're under the new covenant. The new covenant that Jeremiah prophesied in Jeremiah 31 that would come in the last days. It came, and we're a part of that. We're in that new covenant. We, as Jewish believers, we, as Gentile believers, we are the Israel of God. To the Jew first and also to the Gentile. God spoke of, of his people and he said, Am Segula, my treasured people. We are Israel. Say after me, I am Israel. We are Israel. It's good. We don't replace the Jews. We join the Jewish believers. The tent pegs of Israel are extended as Israel accommodates the influx of the Gentiles as promised to Abraham. So together we participate as the Israel of God. You need to view yourself like that. You need to understand your connection to Israel, that you're grafted into Israel, that your identity group the group that you identify with is Israel, the chosen people. You too are chosen among the nations. You are the treasured people of God. If you don't make that connection, if you don't understand that, you're not going to live a life commensurate with that. We are a holy nation, the nation of God. God has a nation that belongs to him, and we're a part of that nation. We are the Ecclesia, the called out ones, the ones the Lord called out of Egypt of old and even our Egypts of sin and shame. I think of the United States, I want to change the name to the United States of Egypt. 
We've become an Egypt, right? We've become a Sodom and a Gomorrah. And God is calling us out to live and represent him within this nation. That this nation would see the nation of God, the Israel of God, the salvation of God, and turn to him. We are his congregation. We are his church. The harvest. This body of believers. This local church is a manifestation of the Israel of God, is a manifestation of the universal church found everywhere that's meeting on this holy day that believes in Jesus and has embraced the Torah of Moses as a way of life. This is who we are. This is our group identity. What about our mission? What is our mission? Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time that you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. Verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, even to the remotest parts of the earth. This is the mission of Israel. This is what started with Abraham when he journeyed out to follow the Lord, right? And made converts, expanded, so to speak, the covenant that was made with him to include all those around him. That better be Jesus, okay. But this expansion, you know, it, 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 it goes through Israel and then out to the nations. We even see that right here in Acts chapter 1, where Jesus is saying, you're going to take my kingdom forth from Jerusalem all the way out into Samaria and Judea, and then even beyond that, all the way to the remotest parts of the earth. Here we are so far away from Israel, and we've encountered the Jewish Messiah. And it's him who gave us all that we have today, the abundance, the blessing, everything. Imagine that. This message of the gospel, it's, 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 been, it's been all throughout the globe. It's expanded all the way around the earth, and it's still growing. It's amazing in every way. And this was accomplished by people who believe in Jesus, submitting themselves, being empowered by the Holy Spirit, to give witness to who Jesus is. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to be powerful witnesses for Jesus and his kingdom. What's it mean to be a witness? What does that mean, right? I mean, we know that, that term in our courtroom settings. Have you ever been, you know, called to the witness stand? They call it the witness stand. And what do you do on the witness stand? You give testimony to what you know, right? You speak about what you know firsthand, and that's called testimony. Yeah, we're here to give testimony to who Jesus is. We are called to be witnesses. The world calls and asks questions, and we are here to respond with answers 
in season and out of season to people all around us. This is an identity issue once again. I am a witness of Jesus Christ. I'm a witness. I got to think about that. I got to get up in the morning, get in the mirror and say, you know what? I'm participating with Israel as Israel. I'm a witness to Jesus. And I'm going to look for opportunity today to testify, to tell of his glory, to share my story of what he did in my life. You know, you can't testify of something if you don't have a firsthand experience, by the way. Okay, that's called hearsay. It's not accepted. You gotta have something that's in you that's real and authentic that you can give testimony to. So as a believer in Jesus, you have a story. How'd you get saved? You know, one of my favorite things to do, you know, is, is to talk to people about how they got saved, to hear their stories. Man, it's just amazing. Every time, every story is so unique, powerful. And it's those stories that we share with one another that can change lives. They can change people. I think of what happened in Texas, and I'm thinking what happened in that family. All the brokenness, all the alienation. Was there anywhere there, anyone there around that young man, 18 years old, that was sharing the hope that we have in Christ, right? The glory that's in Christ. How important he is, his life. How important other lives are. Yeah, the world needs our testimony. It can change people. It can turn things around. It can bring blessing and life rather than curses and death. We have a part to play in our world in repairing all the brokenness through the gospel of Jesus and our personal stories. Personal stories. So, we're here to be a witness for Jesus. Now, Jesus said, I think it is in John... 14, 12. I love the apostles. They never gave like references. So somewhere in the Bible, Jesus said this, all right? He said, the works that I do, you shall do also. And greater works than these shall you do. What works? Yeah, the works of redemption, the works of salvation, the works of healing, the works of, 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 of reconciliation. Since you're going to do that same work. Now, how are you going to be a witness if you're afraid? Because it will cost you something, right? We are persecuted for our testimony. That's why many of us won't testify, because we're worried about what will happen in our circle of friends, our family, you know, our business, where we work. What about the works of Jesus? How are we going to do those? See, Jesus gave us his spirit, the same spirit that raised him from the dead, the same spirit that parted the Red Sea is in us, available, available to us so that we can have the courage and boldness to share Jesus, so that we can have the power to pray for people and watch that miraculous outcome come forth. That's by the Spirit of God. Without the Spirit, you and I cannot do that. We need the Spirit of God. We need our Pentecost. We need a Shavuot experience. We have to have the Spirit of God flowing in us and through us. When I think of great accomplishments in this world, it engages the sacrifices that precede that. Whether it's academics, 
degrees, a lot of sacrifice to accomplish that. Or in the business world, or in sports, in bodybuilding, just taking care of your, your own bodies, right? A lot of work involved in that. A lot of work to accomplish anything great. If we want to be filled with the Spirit of God and be used by God, we're going to have to sacrifice some time and energy. We have to spend some time with Him and wait on Him and cry out to Him and press into Him. See, the enemy of being used by God is passivity. When you're passive, when you're complacent, you need to be hungry for God. Hungry. Get up every day and just, you know, shout out to the Lord and, and sing before Him and, and ask Him to fill you with His Spirit and give you divine appointments. Then all that starts to happen. But if you take things for granted and you're passive, you just won't be used. It's just life as usual, and that's kind of boring at times, if you know what I mean. I had some of my greatest experiences at King Supers, being a checker, paper or plastic, right? Until I discovered that I could use my job as a platform to just love on people, talk to people, share words of life with people, even pray with people. I love that. All of a sudden, I love my job, you know? I remember one time I was praying for, for one of our sackers, our beggars, courtesy clerks. Migraine headaches all the time, just not doing well, missing a lot of work, and, and just said, well, can, you know, my, my customer said, well, can we pray for you? And she said, yeah. So the customer stepped around, I stepped around, me and the customer laid hands on this person, the courtesy clerk has, you know, their hands up. Yeah, so we got done with that, and then on the microphone when they used to, back in the day, you know, they don't do it as much nowadays. They said, uh, Mark, please shut down your lane and come to the office. So I shut down my lane, checked out the rest of the people, went up to the office. They said, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean? They said, you're, you're praying for people? Really? You know, just check them out. That's what we pay you to do. You, do, do your job, McClellan. So you can't do that. I said, really? I said, did you know someone else with me? Did you, was that just me praying or was there someone else? Because I remember it was the customer. And the customer initiated that. Well, that's because you're talking to them about Jesus. Well, they're talking to me about Jesus too. I said, did you notice my line? I always have a lot of people in my line. Even the person next to me sometimes will have no one. And these people don't go over to them. They stay in my line because they want to pray and talk with me. I said, I'm making you money. Leave me alone. Leave McClellan alone. I'll make you money, you know? And I'll tell you what, my job was exciting when I did that. When I embraced God, invited him in to my job. Use me here. Divine appointments today. Open my eyes so I can see what you're doing. Oh, man. I'll tell you what. I spent hours, hours. Sometimes I'd spend up to like an hour, sometimes two hours. That was rare, but it'd be 15 minutes there, 20 minutes there, just almost monthly in the office with like my supervisor, sometimes the store manager. I'd be like the pastor counselor there, you know? I mean, my, my manager was going through a divorce. It was horrible. And he's just crying out. I'd bring me up in the office and he'd just cry. And I would, I would console him and encourage him. And we'd pray together, you know? And I'm thinking, man, I love my job, spending time with the manager, drinking coffee and praying, you know, it just was so amazing. But I want to just encourage each and every one of us to live the adventure, 
you know, that, that, that divine uh, adventure of just daily walking with the Lord and being used by Him, by His Spirit, to do great things. Yeah, every one of you are so important. Each and every one of you, so important. You have no idea the change that you can bring about in people's lives all around you. And God's counting on you. God's wanting to use you. And what that can avert in terms of, of, of you know, pain and misery in the lives of people that are in darkness and don't know that there's a way out. They don't know that there is a life to live, right? And if it isn't for us reaching out, that thing can go really deep, really dark, and really desperate. So we're called to share our stories of who Jesus is. We're called to do works of kindness and compassion, to pray for one another, and then also to live a life commensurate with the Torah. Now, in Acts chapter 2, find out a little bit about what happens when this Spirit of God is poured out on us. Acts 2, 17 through 18, And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my Spirit on all mankind. <laughs> I love that. That means the, G the Gentiles too, by the way. Okay? So I'm going to pour out my Spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your, uh, your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. This is, this is the gift of prophecy. This comes from the office of the prophets. I mean, the only ones that did this in the past were primarily the prophets. God says, now all of you are going to do this. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit and they shall prophesy. So what's it mean to prophesy? What's it mean to prophesy? Simply means to speak forth on God's behalf. It, mean, it means to represent God, speak forth his words at his direction, at his prompting on his behalf. That's what it means to prophesy. So as we spend time with, with the Lord, spend time in his word, receive the filling of the spirit daily, right? Have this living relationship going on. God will give us words to speak to other people, words to say, sometimes verbatim from the word, sometimes not from the word, but in principle, his word, and it will change lives. It's what people need. We will speak on God's behalf by his spirits and change the world around us. He goes on to say, and I will grant wonders. I got, I got to tell this one story. I've told it before, but it's just hilarious. You know, we do, we do family devotions in the morning. And um, back, back in the day when Shannon was just like, she was so young. I, I think she was like three years old, but she was young. And uh, Don, we, Don was at Costco and Shannon was in the cart. And you know, Costco just has lines everywhere, right? So all of a sudden, out of nowhere, just waiting in line, Shannon says, listen, 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 people, listen. She's like going like this, you know? So everyone's like, who's this? What's going on? Don says, it got real quiet. And she says, repent, <laughs> repent. 
believe in Jesus and you will be saved. Yeah, and Don's kind of chuckling, kind of embarrassed. Like, oh, and some of the other people kind of chuckle a little bit too. But you know, I thought to myself, out of the mouth of babes, God will perfect praise, right? But I often, I often say, you know, Don, I wonder what those words did. There, there might have been one or two people there that received that, that needed that, that changed their lives forever. We're going to get there in eternity, and God's going to give us the full enchilada in terms of what we did in terms of changing the world around us as we submitted and followed his leading. And I think we're just going to cry and cry and cry over and over and over at all the stories that we're going to tell each other and discover. It's going to be such a beautiful home gathering, uh, family gathering, as we uh, join in eternity, the body of Messiah everywhere, and uh, share our stories. Now, God says, I'm going to do some things as you testify, as you prophesy. I'm going to do my part. This is what God does. We're, we're called to speak, and God is going to move. It says, I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. You testify. I'm going to shake the world. I'm going to break it down. Things are going to get really desperate. But it's your word, it's your testimony that's going to be the catalyst for people to turn to me and be saved. In fact, it goes on to say, and it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Times are getting really bad. They're going to get worse. But we're going to have opportunities when people, when we share with people, and they're going to say, well, you know, what, what do I need to do? And we're, it's so simple. You know, we just need to help them. We just need to say, you need to call in the name of the Lord. Let me help you. Do you want me to lead you in a prayer or do you want to just pray that yourself? You just say, Lord, come in, send your son. Jesus, I, 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 I ask you to be my Lord and my savior from this day forth. Come into my heart, forgive me of my sins. So simple. Sometimes people say, I'll pray that myself. Other times they'll say, you lead me and you just lead them. And when they pray that in faith, they get born again. The Lord's promise is, I will save them. This is, how, this is the work that we're called to do. This leads me to my third point. Torah. Torah is our way of life, right? We know who we are. We know what our mission is. And then we also have a responsibility to live a life commensurate with the Torah. Now, we live in accordance with the Torah, as interpreted by Yeshua the Messiah. We don't live by the interpretations of, of rabbis from other streams of Judaism. Our stream is Messianic Judaism, the Judaism of Messiah. He has his own yoke. So we view the Torah through the lens of Yeshua, and we apply it through the teachings of Yeshua and the apostles. What, 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 what is our commentary? The New Testament. That's our commentary. That's our lens for understanding Moses. Hebrews 10, 16, speaking of the new covenant, says, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws, Torah, upon their heart, and on their mind I will write them. It's a direct quote from Jeremiah 31, 33. It's a direct quote. In fact, the word that we translate laws is in Hebrew, 
Torah. It's the word Torah. And the Torah includes the foundational laws of God, the Ten Commandments. It's one of the foundational features of the New, com- uh, of the new Covenant, right? I mean, the Ten Commandments is, is like that bedrock of all of that way of life that's going to be expressed by all those other commandments. And it's the very fabric of the New Covenant. This is why Torah is so important to us who are believers in Jesus, to, to those of us who are in the New Covenant. The Torah is foundational to our lives. Those who are members of the New Covenant exalt and celebrate the commandments of God. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 through 16. We are studying that this morning in relationship to the Torah portion in Leviticus. And that, by the way, is at, what, 9.15 to 10.15? See you there next week. You need more Torah. We all need more Torah. It's Shabbat. Go to bed early on Friday. Get up early and come to our Torah class. So it says this, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. Verse 15, But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all of your behavior. Be holy in all of your behavior. Holy means set apart. Be set apart in all of your behavior. Be different in how you live your life, right? Signs and wonders. (laughs) We're called to preach and God does the other stuff, right? All right. That's the beauty of a charismatic church. You know, it's just like, no matter what it is, it's a sign. Maybe. Okay. So God says, I'm going to put the Torah in your hearts. And we do, we celebrate that because we're called to be holy, different in every area of our life. Because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. I don't know if we can put that slide up at this point. Maybe not, but it's slide 33 if we can put that up. If not, that's okay. There we go. Okay. I'm sorry, that is not the right slide. You're scaring me. That's a, that's a scary verse. I'm not sure if we're going to go there. Could we go to slide 33, please? Don't read it. Don't read it. Go to slide 33. There we go. Much better. I thought about not even having that verse up there. It's just such a troubling passage. Okay. Because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. God says, I'm different than humanity. I'm perfect. I'm pure. I'm holy. Humanity is broken and alienated, defiled in their sin and shame. So now that I've saved you and made you part of my family, I want you to live life differently in every area of your life. Be holy. It's written from a direct quote out of Leviticus. Peter, writing to Gentiles, is quoting Moses, given the reason why Gentile believers should be holy. And since he's quoting from Moses, guess who gets to define what holiness is? Moses. You don't don't get to define it. It's already defined. Now, what does holiness look like? I'm going to give you three of many, many, many areas of our life as human beings. 
So there's many more, but I just want to give you three that I think are relevant, super relevant now more than ever. Number one, diet. How and what we eat. You know that God qualifies for his people what is edible and what is inedible. Don't go to that slide because I don't got time. But the slide, I'll give you the verse. You can look it up later. Don't put the slide up. It's Isaiah 66 and verse 17. Okay? So if you go to any commentary you want to go to and look it up, the vast majority of conservative commentaries on this subject matter is that Isaiah is talking about the millennium. Okay? So whatever your view of, of the millennium is, it definitely is at the end of the age. Okay? It comes at the latter days, the last days. And he's saying that concerning the very end, the dietary issues are vitally important, which tells us they've not been done away with. We've misread that over and over and over. They've not been done away with. Diet's very important. It sets us apart. Holiness is engaged three times, four times, if you eat five times a day. It's a constant reminder of who you are. It's just genius that God would make a diet that's holy for his people so we can experience that holiness day in, day out, day in, day out, reminding us in our choice of foods who we are and who our God is. The next area, worship prerequisites. God tells us that worship is holy. You can't just do it any way you want. I mean, the pagans kind of have a corner on that. And God's saying, but you can't worship me the way the pagans worship their God. I have prerequisites. I have parameters for how you worship me. You can't take that form and then offer it up to me. Repackage it, make new, new definitions to old symbols or old what idols and offer that. You can't do that. I'm holy. And then he gives us holy days, appointed times to meet with him. We don't get to make those up. He's already given them to us. If we want to be holy like he is holy, we have to come to terms with his holy days. If you just want to be holy, but not like him, well, choose your own days. The pagans have eight holy days too. They have a weekly holy day and they got like seven annual festivals. Just, it's, it's the perversion of God's calendar. So if you want to be holy like he is holy, then you have to embrace holiness on his terms, not your own. Sunday's not holy. I'm not saying you can't worship every day of the week. Good for you. Worship every day of the week. I do. But that doesn't make the days of the week holy. There's only one weekly holy day. It's the Shabbat. And if you want to be holy like God is holy, in terms of his holy days, it requires that you come into that revelation and embrace that as a way of life. Then you'll be holy like he is holy. Well, I got down to sexuality. That's explosive. That's relevant today. You have no idea what I got listed out here. Probably get booted from YouTube on our videos if I did this. So I'm glad I'm out of time. We can, we can stay on YouTube for another week. But let me just go ahead and uh, skip that and maybe come back to that at a later time. But in conclusion, let me just kind of put icing on the cake. Jewish believers in the Messiah are the Israel of God under the new covenant. Jewish believers in Messiah comprise the Israel of God. They are the church. They are the congregation of the Lord. 
Salvation is of the Jews, from the Jews, and to the Jews first, and then also to the Gentiles. So Gentile believers are grafted into the Jewish olive tree. They're brought into the Jewish church. They get to participate with Jewish believers as the Israel of God. And the Torah, it's given to Israel first, but it's written on the heart of every believer, Jewish and Gentile. Under the new covenant, we are one. The Holy Spirit is poured out on each of us. One God, one Messiah, one Spirit, one gospel, one people, and one law. All the Messianic Jews are with me till we get to the last part and say one law, and they'll just unravel. It's like, come on. Our mission, to be witnesses to all those around us empowered by his spirit to do his works in his name and to disciple those around us, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them the Torah as a way of life. Why? Because we are to be holy like he is holy. Let's embrace that. Let's be filled with the spirits. This is our season. Let's make a commitment to holiness like never before.